everyone. Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are uh, are stunned. It's finally here. Bo Horvat is no longer a Vancouver Canuck. And uh, before we do anything else, Justin, I just want to say hi, but I also want to get your thoughts on Bo Horvat as a New York Islander. Yeah. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Um, boy. Yeah. What What a shocker of a deal. I mean. First thought is, is don't get me wrong. I think we, we, you and I both knew that the Islanders were going to make a move here and try to make a big splash. I mean, they're just, they're sitting outside on the bubble. And, um, you know, I, I think for me, you know, obviously I don't think the Islanders were really on my radar. I thought maybe they could have made a play, but I honestly didn't think they, they were going to make a play for Bo, Bo Horvat. I figured, you know, with a team probably making a move for him was going to be a team that was going to bring him in long term. And I figured, okay, They've got too many of those five and six million dollar players sitting on their their roster. You know their their biggest need, probably in my opinion, is was in goal or not in goal. I'm sorry, uh, on on the back end to get another top four defender in there. But um, yeah, turns out uh, I was wrong. And uh, our last show when we we looked at four teams, we did not even touch the Islanders. No, and, no. Um, I, I mean it's an interesting deal because Bovillier uh, is a UFA at the end of next year, so work sort of in some ways right back where we started at, for the Canucks that like I mean Beauvillier obviously not Bo Horvat but a solid a solid winger fits into their top six uh, and and has the salary uh, that they that they like and I guess he just becomes a potential UFA player to be dealt either in the offseason this year or at the deadline next year assuming I guess what I'm assuming the the Canucks aren't going to be a playoff team next year. Are we there? Like, are, have we come to that conclusion already? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, the the pieces they've already come out and said that their core is basically Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, and that's it. And and really, everybody else is touchable. And the one big name I keep hearing, and I've heard, um, gosh, who was it? The Insider Today on Sportsnet. Um, Elliot Friedman or uh, yes, Freed, Yeah, Elliot Friedman came on and said that that Demko was uh, being rumored to be moved. And I actually just saw a Sportsnet Instagram post come up and said, you know, what team is is Horvat or is um, you know Demko going to play for next? And um, you know, had teams in there like L.A., Pittsburgh, and uh, a couple others. But you know, if they move Demko, I, you you have to assume any piece that they bring back or whatever free agent they go after in the off season. I, I can't imagine it's an upgrade at all. If if anything, right. they just find a, a short-term Band-Aid. But, um, you know, in, in the short term, at least next year, like you talked about, I can't imagine them being any better in that. So to me, you know, if you lose a piece like that and if they're willing to ship out other pieces, like, you know, I mean, I even heard their their GM say that they, they might move a core player, which could mean JT Miller or, you know, Quinn Hughes if the price is right. So. Um, if any one of those other guys go too, I mean, definitely forget about it. This is uh, just a full-on dumpster fire at that point, you know. But um, man, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I still think they're they're a play, they're they're not a playoff team next year, and they've you know really acquired nothing out of this trade to make me think otherwise. Now, um, you know, again, looking at this trade, I think you know I you have to look at it from an Islanders perspective and think, you know what, I think. Most teams assume that, you know, first and foremost on the short term, he's a rental, but they would like to get him signed. And I think, you know, the pieces that Vancouver got back, I think as a rental were adequate. Now, as, you know, a long term piece, you know, for the Islanders, you know, I'm sure Vancouver would have liked to have gotten more, but obviously Bo might walk in the summer, you know, after the season's sure. over with. And um, I mean, Atu Ratu, Ratu, Atu Ratti is uh, a nice little addition. I mean, he's. He's having a decent year down in the AHL. Uh, I, you know, I've heard things about him. I mean, he was just drafted in 2021, so you're talking about a guy who's 19, what, 19 years old? Uh, no, sorry, 20, 20 years old right now. I just turned 20, so young kid. He was a second round pick. Uh, he certainly has room to grow. Is probably going to end up being a, a pretty good player, at least like a top nine player for the Canucks. So when you consider Bavillier, who you, you know, even if he ends up being somebody that you just use through the end of this year and maybe the start of next and deal him at some point because he is a UFA, 
then you're still probably picking up a a decent draft pick or a prospect for Bovillier because shoot, I mean, who, what what Stanley Cup contending team wouldn't like to add Bovillier to their top six, top nine kind of mix going into the playoffs? I mean, he'd be a great addition. Uh, but yeah, Atu Ratu Atu Ratti, who obviously is the least known commodity. Uh, between the two, because most people have not seen his 12 NHL games. Uh, he's he's a solid center who you know, very well could end up being a second, third line center for the Canucks. Um, and then obviously you have this 2023 first round pick that I wanted to talk to you about because the, the condition is interesting to me. Uh, they have it where it is a, the, the pick becomes an unprotected 2024 first round pick if this this year's pick is in the top 12. Now, <clears throat> this is ballsy to me because this means that, okay, let's say that the Islanders, uh, let's, let's say just things don't pan out this year. And that pick ends up being the 12th pick. Not even like that crazy of a, a high pick, but, it, but the 12th pick. Then it's automatically protected, at least according to the conditions that I see here. That means that it's protected, and that means that it gets bumped the next year. And now you better be good next year <laughs> and because all of a sudden your pick is unprotected. And Vancouver's getting that pick, and I'm sure that that's what they're crossing their fingers for is, hey, maybe the Islanders will be bad next, like bad enough to where they have to protect this according to our deal, and then they're bad again, and we get a chance at the lottery with someone else's pick. Which, if that happens, I know it's a it's a relatively big if because I think that the Islanders are obviously going for the playoffs. So even if they don't make the playoffs, they'll probably end up, you know, in one of those 15, 14, you know, maybe they don't hit the top 12. But there there is a, certainly a scenario where they they pick 12th and uh, I boy, you could end up with a disaster here, especially if Bo Horvat does not resign with New York and then you end up going, we just traded a lottery pick and Bavilia and a second round prospect that we've been developing for a guy who was here for 25 games. Yeah, that's, that's obviously a concern, right? And I, I do think right. The, if you're the Islanders, funny enough, they're sitting at 13th in the league right now and it's top 12 protected. So, um, so clearly they, they have nowhere to go but up to in order to to keep this pick uh, for this season. So, um, but obviously we know the talent coming into this year's draft, right? I mean, Connor Bedard at the top there, but I think this this draft is so um, so deep that obviously the Islanders knew, you know what? Hey, if um, you know if we manage to finish 13, 12, or whatever, they could get a really legit player uh, in this year's draft. And versus next year, where I think um, you know so far, you know the the draft isn't going to be as deep as it is this year. So. Um, you know, if they, finish, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. And, and if they finish 10th or ninth in the league and that's, that's where, you know, Vancouver's picking at with next year's pick, they might not get as good as a player next year as they would with this year. So I think that's probably where the Islanders were going with that one. And so that way, you know, maybe in the long term it doesn't, they can't look back at this and say, Oh, we really got bit in the ass on this one. Um, you know, because that's the big question, right? Does Bo Horvat resign? And if he doesn't, um, uh, you know, makes his trade look, you know, I mean a little bit, a little bit less desirable for the Islander fans. Um, I will say, though, as, as far as, you know, uh, Atu Raddy and, and Bavillier are concerned, you know, Raddy to me seems like he's going to, um, you know, my long-term projection for a guy like this who, you know, should have been a first-round pick. He kind of slid a little bit, um, you know, into that second round, luckily for the for the Islanders. And he's been their top prospect going into the season because, let's face it, the Islanders didn't have a big prospect pool. They didn't have, you know, they weren't very deep as far as, that was concerned. And so I think really if they were giving up a prospect, this was really the only one they were going to get um, from the Islanders. And, um, you know, to me, he could wind up being a, um, you know, a, gosh, who was it the other day that I was a Jordan Stahl type player. Um, I think he's got size. Oh boy, he's if got, he becomes a Jordan Stahl type player, then we're going to look back at this trade and go, you dummy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's trade. where I, I think his potential is as far as ceiling is concerned. And, um, you know, if you're Vancouver, that's kind of what you're hoping for too, because, you know, you've got Elias Pettersson. Hopefully you're going to get him locked up long-term. Uh, JT Miller's already locked up. So if that's your one, two, three punch, I think you're doing okay. And, and Bavillier is a good Swiss army knife to have, um, at least for this season and next, because 
like you said, if they deal him next year, if he doesn't want to re-sign, they're going to get a good return out of him because, again, he can slot up and down in your top nine almost anywhere, and he's you know good defensively. He's good you know good enough offensively to keep up with with top guys. And I think the one thing Vancouver needed to do out of you know this trade was to get a little faster, and Bavillier will bring that brings a little bit more speed to the team too. So. Um, the big question mark, though, obviously for the Islanders is, does Bo Horvat resign now? Right. And, and you know going into that trade, the Islanders are thinking, oh, well, we're going to resign him. Uh, yeah, you have to. If you're Lou, you, you don't make this move unless you legitimately think you can resign him. And the funny part is, is, you know, going into this whole ordeal where we kept hearing all these rumors about Bo Horvat getting moved and how the process was going to work, um, really, Vancouver was clear that uh, Jim Rutherford said that they were not going to allow teams to talk to Horvat's agent. Right, right. So, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, of course, there's always those wink, wink behind closed doors things. But, um, you know, who knows if Horvat's even going to resign there or not? Well, they they'll have a, they have a projected 16 million in cap space right now. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, they they certainly they're going to lose. You know, Zach Parisi, whatever, uh, as a UFA. It's really the Semyon Varlamov. So you're going to lose your goaltender, uh, and then you're going to have to probably sign Sorokin to a big extension, uh, which is going to eat up some of that money. But other than that, pretty much everyone is is locked up. So you're in a position to be able to re-sign him to... I mean, he's going to get something similar to what Matthew Barzell got. If Matthew Barzell's getting nine times eight, then you got to think Bo Horvat's shooting for somewhere in that neighborhood. And maybe it ends up being eight and a half, whatever. But he, he's not going to be going and signing for $6 million a year. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. Um, and that's the big thing, right? I, I know, um, you know, the big concern for me is this offseason, you know, do they sign Bo Horvat, you know, before the offseason or do they, they address this after the playoffs to see how he does? see if they even get in, um, how he gels with the team, all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I, I looked at a few numbers when I w- was looking at Barzell's deal and Horvat and, you know, what he could potentially get now. Um, since the 2018-19 season, Matt Barzell has put up .81 points per game. Bo Horvat, .79. So they're pretty damn okay. close. Yeah. Um, Bo Horvat, 130 goals to Barzell's 81 Um but the big kicker for me is why I think Bo Horvat's going to be much more important to this team and maybe have a little bit more leverage is Barzell has only been drawn at 35.9% in the faceoff circle. Uh, Bo Horvat's going to come in and improve that drastically at 56%, and I don't think he's going to you know, drop that much more, if anything at all, when it comes to the faceoff dot. Because, I mean, yes, you, know, you, you do get help from your wingers when it comes to winning draws, but I think Horvat is just much, much better at that. He plays, you know, a much better two-way game than Barzell does. And so with the points per game being so close over the last, you know, few seasons, it's very, very easy, and scoring more goals, by the way, it's very easy for Horvat to make the argument that, hey, I want the same amount of dollars, if not more, than what you're paying Barzell. And, you know, I don't know if Lou is that kind of guy to, to hand out that kind of money right now to a guy like that. Well, you would have to think that coming into this, he... You know, it's it's not like he's looking at him going, all right, we want him as a... He doesn't want him just as a rental. I mean, obviously, they, they'll they take him as a rental, but uh, I, I don't think they made this move just to have him for this season. So when you consider that, you have to think, well, then what is Lou thinking that he would sign him for? And it's going to be somewhere in the reasonable range, right? So I think he they're, they're probably going to go down to him and say, I mean... Here, here's my guess. I remember Vancouver offer gave Bo Horvat. Here's our best offer, right? Seven so, times eight, I think, is what it was. Yeah. Okay, and uh, therefore, you know, well, okay, he's not going to accept seven times eight. It's going to need to be more. It's going to need to be eight times eight, eight and a half times eight, whatever it may be. So, are we willing to do that? Yes. Okay, well then let's trade for him, and then we'll negotiate. We'll get him a better deal, and I, I think they're in position to do it. They also have a lot of aging players who could probably be be moved with some ease. You know, you're looking at like Josh Bailey, who's going to be 34 next year. Uh, you've you've got, I mean, Brock Nelson, who will have a couple years left. You, you, 
Kyle Palmieri have a couple of years left. You've got some players who you could you could move if you needed the money. Uh, so I have no doubt that Lou can finagle with the salary cap to get someone that he wants and believes in signed. So that I I mean I love the Horvat Barzell one two punch at the center position and then throwing Horvat on the at the at center and Barzell gets to be the dish man on the power play. Um, and, and Horvat gets to be the guy that goes out there and scores some goals in the power play. This is what the Islanders desperately needed was a goal scorer, somebody who knows yeah. how to put the puck in the net. I mean, the Islanders have just struggled to score goals. They can, they can play that defensive game, but, man, they struggle to score. They have really no one on their team that you will, you will look up and down their roster and you go, who's going to walk down the ice and just toss a nice snapshot Above the above the pad, short side, tough shot where like the the score can change immediately. They don't really have that guy. They have the guys who are gonna work and work and work and work and work and squeeze goals out of uh, out of nothing kind of vibe. And Horvat I think provides that little spark that sometimes you just need. Like when it's two nothing, you're down and you just need that quick goal. Uh, he's the kind of guy that can provide that. So I like this move for. The Islanders, right now, we'll see how it all transpires, uh, depending on you know what happens with the rest of their season, the lottery, and and the development of Atu Ratu Ratti, and you know what the Canucks get for Bavillier. It'll be interesting to see what the market would be for him uh, when he's if he's dealt alone. And who knows? Maybe Bavillier is a guy who they you know if if he plays does decent and somebody says hey we we'd like pavilion we'll we'll bring him in you eat half his contract or something like that for the next two years and uh maybe they maybe they put him right back up and he he moves again uh depending on what level of quote-unquote rebuild we do here in vancouver yeah that's very true but i mean i'll be honest with you and um i'm just gonna say Thanks it right for now finally not lying <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna be a liar on this show just so the listeners are aware um, I, <laughs> I don't think Bo Horvat will sign with this team before the summer. I think he's going to uh, take a peek at free agency and see what's out there. Okay. Anything that makes you feel that way or just, just a hunch? Just the way that maybe he's he's uh, approached this with well, the Canucks let, I, or what? Well, I, you know what? I think first off, you know, I think Horvat's never, you know, it's very rare that players, you know, at, at this kind of age, at this kind of talent level, get to hit free agency. It doesn't happen too often. And I think, you know, at this point in his career, he's he's going to want to look at options, right? I mean, the Islanders aren't exactly a Stanley Cup favorite, but they're not exactly a, a dumpster fire, you know, bottom feeder team right now either, right? So, um, you know, he might want to take take a step back and, you know, approach it with a little bit of caution and say, you know what, hey, I'm just going to take a peek. Because, listen, I know word came out last week that the Red Wings offered Dylan Larkin an eight times eight, and he turned it down. I know he's looking for more, uh, Matt Barzell money, which you know is understandable, and who's um, not going to be like Matthew Barzell is is. I don't even know if like if given the choice between the two of them, I think I want Larkin. Oh, absolutely, yeah, all so. day, and so yeah, and I mean, I look at the other level of free agency coming or talent coming out in free agency as far as the center position is concerned, and there's really nothing outside of Larkin, and um, you know maybe Ryan O'Reilly. There's there's not that much, you know, as far as top end talent is concerned. And so, you know, I think Bo Horvat's going to have the pick of the litter. And, you know, at this stage in his career, you know, maybe he wants that extra year of security signing, you know, eight years versus seven. Um, but, you know, again, it, you know, if it comes down to money or if it just comes down to picking the right fit, you know, which is more important to Horvat, um, you know, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fascinating that you have three players all the captain of their team, all centers, uh, all becoming UFAs in the same year. Like they would, right. Bar- I know Barzell, Barzell already signed his deal, but the fact that you had all three of these guys, all three captains, all three centers coming into UFA and basically being very similar players. Uh, not all of them play exactly. They don't play exactly the same way. Uh, Barzell, certainly more of a setup man, Bull Horvat, kind of that, two-way goal-scoring type of center. And then you've got Dylan Larkin, who just is, I mean, he may be one of the ultimate Swiss Army knife type of players and the kind of guy that you just want to die for. I think that if the wings were good and they were in the playoffs, like 
Uh, that's the kind of guy that you want to play with. He's got that mojo about him. Um, something that I think that you know very few captains, especially of bad teams, tend to have. Like guys want to go to the wall, like go through a wall for him. And uh, I think that that's the unique thing about Larkin. But you look at the, that Barzell deal and you go, I mean, how how are you giving either one of them less than what Barzell just got? Yeah, I think the the argument is, is going to be, you know, it, what's better for the team, right? You know, because the Red Wings obviously still want to take another step and they'll need to bring in, you know, another piece or two. And um, to do that, you need cap space, right? And so if you want to convince these guys to take just a little, like if you could get Larkin for eight, seven, five or nine million bucks, just a little under where Barzell is, that yeah. little extra bit of money might help you in the short term. I, I Yeah, but that's, I, I, when I look at it and you are, right, let's, let's take a, take a gander at the best teams in the league here and let's see what they're doing. What did Colorado just give Nathan McKinnon? 12.6 million bucks. They gave sure. Ranton in $9.25 million. They gave him a car nine million dollars. Uh, the Lightning, like, what are they giving their players? They won Stanley Cups, and the Lightning are, you know, I I know guys take a little bit of a discount to stay there, but it's still nine and a half, nine and a half, eight eight and a half, and that eight and a half deal was signed six years ago. <laughs> so that eight and a half would definitely be higher now. Vasilevsky at nine and a half. So I I feel like these really good players. They're gonna. They're signing for at least nine now. Nine's the nine is now the what we saw at like eight million dollars a couple of years ago with the cap going up. Nine million dollars is gonna be the like. I'm a really good player. You're giving me at least nine. Like this Barzell deal was the initial tip of hey, times are about to change a little bit because the cap's going up again. Uh, we've gotten really used to seeing players sign for the same amount for a long time because the cap has really been steady and or it's been exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to start going up, and so then that is going to take that baseline number and increase it. So I I, I don't think you're getting Larkin for less than nine because he's looking he's he's not necessarily concerned about next year. He's going well in five years when the guys that are signing deals are signing deals for 11 and 12 million dollars, I'm going to be hilariously underpaid again. So I uh, like you're going to have to pay him probably that nine, nine and a half million dollar deal. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you're and it's, right. it's in my mind too. He has been a warrior for Detroit. He's done everything that he can to, to help this team, to move them along to help guys develop. He's been a coach's guy. No matter what coach is in there, he's he's been a favorite of those coaches. They like him. He's he's improved his own game. Like every everything that you could want out of a player, he's done. And now push comes to shove. You're paying no one more than six point one million dollars. Is there another team in the NHL with a lower uh, like as far as the the highest paid player on the team, uh, where they're only making six point one million dollars. Um, you know what? I will say no. And he's um, the, and and the second most is five point six, and the third most is four point seven five. So I mean, you don't even have two players making over six million dollars on this team. Yeah, so. maybe. Yep, yep. Okay, I was going to say yep. Seattle, their highest paid player is Philip uh, oh, Grubauer, Grubauer, five point nine, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say this to your argument, and I, you know, this this almost convincing me as I say it out loud. But um, you know, for the Red Wings to pay Dylan Larkin that extra million, that extra half million bucks, versus having to essentially lose him and start a whole rebuild again because now you don't have that number one center, um, you know, is just not worth it. Just give him his money and, and especially move on. if Horvat is is kind of like resigns in New York. If you could, if you could get Horvat and you know, right. you kind of switch them out. Okay, I mean, still isn't ideal to me because you've you've brought Larkin up. Larkin's been there his whole life, <laughs> his yeah, whole adult Detroit. life. He's been a Red Wing. Yeah, he's a Detroit born and raised kid too. So yeah, exactly. Played at U of yeah. M. And, yeah. Um, okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully that happens. That's the one that if it doesn't happen and he doesn't resign, I'm gonna be kind of mad. And I don't even like the Red Wings. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna kind of be mad. Like that's. Just, I, I, that's why I think there's just no way that Iserman lets him walk. No, hey, and, no. and I understand. Hey, you got to like 
You're going to put out this eight times eight and you're going to go sign this eight times eight. Look at how good we're going to be. We, and this deal is going to take you till you're 34. So, I mean, it, it, in some respects, you're going to go in at 34. It's likely that you're not going to be producing at an $8 million pace. So we, we do want to be privy to that, but he's going to go, well, I don't care. Like I, I need to get paid more. Also, I'm sure there's pressure from the NHLPA going, you can't take less than Barzell. Or at least you can't take you can't take a million less than Barzell. You know, if if he comes in at nine times eight, whatever that extra hundred thousand doesn't really do anything for me. But uh, well, it would do something for me personally. I I would like it, but <laughs> as far as the numbers go. Uh, all right. Well, shall we? Uh, I guess I mean we've we've kind of done this organically, but we were planning on talking about how this Horvat deal uh, kind of what dominoes are going to put into place here, which, which ones are going to start falling now that, uh, this deal has been made. Did you have any in mind when you, I know you were the one that posed the, that idea to me. Was there any that you had in mind? I mean, obviously I think that, um, you know, you're going to see, I, I, I'm hoping we'll see some bigger name pieces happen quicker. Right. And by bigger name, I'm really looking at Patrick Kane and the Chicago Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves. I think now that, you know, teams don't have to worry about paying for Bo Horvath because I think he was the the prize for a lot of teams that needed that 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 centerman, that that top six guy there. Um, he's gone, and so now you're going to look at teams that maybe necessarily don't need a centerman. They're going to look for wingers. Um, to me, I you know I look at Patrick Kane being the the next big prize or, or Timo Meyer perhaps, but. Um, I'm interested to see what happens, you know, with the Blackhawks, really, because uh, similar to Vancouver, I think they're going to be shuffling in and out a lot of pieces before the deadline. And with five weeks to go, um, especially with a Patrick Kane, I think, you know, um, you know, a lot of teams may try to wait closer to the deadline for a guy like Kane because of his cap hit. But um, it honestly wouldn't shock me because I think teams want to try to get ahead of this sooner rather than later, especially with a lot more competitive competitiveness in the standings. I think, you know, getting ahead of that and getting your guy quote unquote now um, would be ideal. And so for like, for example, you know, the Islanders got their guy, right. They got Bo Horvat in there and you think that's got to propel them in some aspects. So you look at Pittsburgh and Washington and not too far off from that are the Rangers. Um, you know, one of those guys might be, uh, you know, again, those domino effects might trickle down to one of those teams to make a move for, for somebody right now or their guy that they've been targeting. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, we all know that Kane's name's been connected with the Rangers. But by, by the way, I just want to throw this out: um, biggest all-star snub is the fact that the Blackhawks sent Seth Jones instead of Patrick Kane. This is going to be Patrick Kane's likely his last all-star game as a Chicago Blackhawk, uh, or the, you know, the p- potential for that. Yeah. But obviously, now he's not going, so he's already had his last game in the all-star game as a as a Blackhawk. Uh, I feel like. He was the, he kind of made the All Star game cool again. To be honest, he did with like, that Superman, <laughs> the Superman kid. Like oh he my was, gosh! Yeah, yeah, he did it. It was just him, and uh, I just feel like yeah, it's it should have been. Hey, we're gonna honor you one more time for all you've done for our organization. He's he's having a fine year. He's still at thirty four points in forty five games or whatever. like he's. It's not as if he's just complete garbage anymore or anything. And I mean. Uh, so I, I I get maybe they they're thinking they just want to rest them. They don't want them to get hurt because uh, they know they're going to deal them. Uh, I just I would have liked to see him in one more All Star game as a Chicago Blackhawk, but not going to happen. Biggest All Star snub for me. Yeah, that would have been nice. And I will say uh, for those who might be curious, uh, the the rumor is that uh, Bo Horvat is still going to the All Star game and going to represent the Pacific Division. Um, but the question is, is he going to put an Islanders patch on his, his jersey or, or a Vancouver patch, I wonder. But uh, wouldn't it be funny, though, if yeah, playing in the, the three-on-three game, if he just turns around and scores on his own team on purpose? Uh, <laughs> you know, what a weird give, what a know, weird Like a double agent. That I know, right? Go, yeah, I mean, I get it. You, the All-Star game's in like three days. Uh, for, well, I guess it's next. Yeah, it's Saturday, right? So yeah. Saturday and today's t- today Tuesday, I think. <laughs> all day <laughs> all day it's been Tuesday yes um, yeah I, 
As far as those other dominoes, I, I did want to mention Pittsburgh because their uh, head coach, Mike Sullivan, came out and said, I need to coach, like, I need to do a better job coaching these players. You don't often hear a coach talk like that. Now, I would say that that is probably uh, somebody who's very confident in their job. Like, Mike Sullivan has, is, you know, we'll, we'll put him in that, like, top five coaches in the NHL kind of, kind of arena. And Sidney Crosby loves him. Malkin loves him. Like the the guys who are important love him. So I don't think that he's going anywhere. So I think he can come out and say this and like be very honest. Like, hey, I need to I need to change something. Uh, I need to do a better job coaching these guys. And I think that a lot of that is really him saying, I mean, I'm willing to deflect some of our players' bad playing <laughs> and and take it on myself and I'm also willing to ignore the fact that our general manager has not made any moves for me um, but I could do a better job here like he's just kind of deflecting blame and taking it on himself which is what a good head coach does but I I think this lends itself to an important puzzle piece and that is like what do the Pittsburgh Penguins do here at the deadline and Unfortunately, I think they need to get a goalie. Do they, though? I I think they might need to go out and snag someone who can play because they they have just had health issues left and right at the goaltending position. Can you imagine if, again, Pittsburgh has to go to their third-string goalie (laughs) in the playoffs? Dustin Tokarski? (laughs) I think they have to go out and they have to to grab a, a good backup goalie to back up the backup. <laughs> and that's got to be their first thing that they do. But then from there, I mean, it, when you look at this roster and you go, well, they re-signed Ricard Raquel. In some respects, that was their, like, that was their deadline acquisition. And now uh, he's there. And, and because of that, I don't think that they have the space to really go out and grab someone that can score goals. Uh, unless you you know you're willing to ditch Teddy Bluger or Denton Heinen, you know you're probably going to have to jettison someone uh, to be able to do that. So I'm just wondering, like, what can Pittsburgh actually do? Because they seem to kind of be jammed up against it, even with Malkin and Latang taking less money than they were making last year. Yeah, well, that's that's it, right? That money that they sort of left on the table, right? You had. Ricard Raquel kind of takes some of that and they brought in some other defensemen that I think uh, kind of ate up a little bit of that too. And so, you know what, I I agree with you. I think, you know, they, they do have to go find a backup because uh, you know, Casey DeSmith for me hasn't been good enough um, when he has been in there. He started the season pretty decent if I remember correctly and just, you know, hasn't been looking that good as of late, but I think as a, as a whole, the team hasn't either, but, and you're right, Tristan Jari just hasn't stayed healthy enough for me um, to make me feel confident that, you know, he's going to be available during the playoffs, it's kind of like Carolina with Freddie Anderson and Antti Rana. Don't get me wrong. I, I like both those goaltenders, but I'm still concerned that they, you know, won't stay healthy. And luckily for Carolina, they have a, a fantastic third stringer there. Right. Um, so they really don't have to worry as far as goaltending is concerned like Pittsburgh does. And so, yeah, you're right. Dustin Tokarski is not the answer, right? He's no Louis Domingue. Um, so you're going to have to, I think, find another reliable option. And the only problem is, like you mentioned, the cap space for them. They're still pressed up against it. And unless you want to jettison Jason Zucker's contract, which maybe they might do, maybe not, but he's he's having a, a quietly productive year. Um, so, you know, do you really think you're better off losing that production and bringing in a backup goaltender, right, to, to be able to afford somebody at a higher salary rate? But I will say there are a lot of options, though. And I, when I say options, I mean just cheaper options, right, guys that – um, have decent play and they could come in at, at lower costs. Like for example, I think Craig Anderson at one, one and a half million bucks um, could be an option for them. You could also go out and, and maybe look at a guy like um, Phoenix Copley in Los Angeles. Although I doubt they're going to want to get rid of him if they make a push for the playoffs. Um, Can Talbot might be somebody, but you know, again, he's a little bit too pricey, even at 3.66 million bucks. Right. That's the, that's the tough part. They they like to to have a third string goalie who's going to make a lot of money is just that's a that's a hard sell. Yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, you could go out and get like I said, there's there's other guys like um, 
you know, Alex Stalock, you could go get him from Chicago at 35 years old. You know, is he a better option? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, you could go out to Vancouver and get Chris Delia. Um, you know, maybe Thomas Grice out of St. Louis if they, you know, fall too far out of the playoffs. And, you know, maybe Detroit, maybe you go look at, you know, Magnus Helberg or, um, you know, even Nadelkovic, maybe if Detroit's willing to retain some salary. So, yeah, certainly there's some back, other teams backup goalies that they you know that are yeah. free agents or one year left on the deal yeah that you could could move I, I mean I think in for Pittsburgh they're probably looking at it going if we can just keep Jari healthy then we'll be okay and that's the thing though because because you're gonna see the Islanders I think creep up in the standings a little bit if you're Pittsburgh you don't want to just go get any third string any backup goaltender you want to get somebody that you know you can actually play who's reliable and gonna give you good numbers because you have to assume down the stretch, right? Um, you know, at a very minimum, he's going to sit out at least, I would think, 50% of the games. Um, you know, at least playing every other every other game because you want Jari healthy and ready to go. And so, I don't really trust Casey to Smith to to take on half the workload, in my opinion. So maybe you hold on to three goaltenders on the roster and rotate a guy in, right? Um, and 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 give him a little bit of relief. And so you can't bring in somebody who's going to have a question mark in that, right? You want a guy who you can bring in and be like, okay, you know what? I think we're, we're going to be confident that he's going to give us a W. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that this, now the Horvat's been dealt. Um, and by the way, Kuzmenko signed to a two year deal. That's uh that's big news for Vancouver that they're able to, I mean, he wanted to come there. Obviously we talked about that on our last show that he, he chose Vancouver. He came to Vancouver. So it was, it was likely that he was going to resign and he does. Um, I think the maybe the most valuable piece, I think maybe even more valuable than Patrick Kane at the deadline is Vladislav Gavrikov of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think he's probably the best defenseman that's going to get moved at the deadline. And, I mean, he's going to fit into almost any team's top four and is going to change. Like That's a guy who's going to play 22 minutes a night. And I think he'll have the biggest impact on whatever team he goes to. He plays the playoff style hockey that you need. And I think whoever gets him is going to have a huge leg up. Uh, I know that Toronto's been in on him. I know that they're interested in him. Uh, And they'd have to be with losing Jake Muzzin. I mean, that's been a hole that they almost haven't needed to fill because they've played so well defensively with without Muzzin and, and even when there was no Brody and no Riley they had some good games and Giordano kind of elevated himself but uh, you certainly could use that extra defenseman uh, and as far as other teams that are contending I mean do you, you mentioned the Islanders needing a defenseman uh, I mean if you're going to truly make a run for the playoffs here he's probably the guy who could make maybe even a bigger difference than Bo Horvat because of his ability to defend and, and force the puck the other way. Uh, or maybe I should say in conjunction with Bo Horvat, he would be a great addition because you get that guy who can score goals and also add in someone who can really shore up your defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say as a goaltender, um, you have a different mindset, right? Going into a game. If you know, you have that, that defensive rock back there, right? You don't have to constantly worry about, oh, crap, like, I know my guys are going to give up a a bunch of odd man rushes this game. I know they're going to turn over the puck. If you have that guy back on the blue line, like, I'll I'll be honest with you, like, when we we played hockey, when you were back on defense, I knew, okay, he's going to cover my ass. He's going to back check. He's going to make sure that... (laughs) I'm actually going to skate back, yeah. (laughs) Right. He's going to make sure that guys have to go through a, a physical wall, which is Mark Paul, to get to the net. Right. So I, I mean, I'm not as worried as I might've been say if, uh, you know, some of the other defenders we had on the team were back there some nights and, uh, you know, I could play with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more swagger. And as a goaltender, you want that. And so I think for a lot of teams that struggle defensively, uh, they're going to look to add a piece like that. And he's going to, you know, I think he's going to be a higher price, uh, as far as, you know, deadline acquisitions are concerned. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams, you know, that are going to be inquiring about it. I think you're giving up a first round pick for him. Um, I I really do. I think whoever, whoever ends up with them, I think is going to go, well, well, we're going to have to give up a first round pick if we want them. It may be a first in 2024, but it is going to be a first round pick. I mean, you know, I'm kind of curious. I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me, let me pull this up. What Denny Savard got 
or De- sorry, not Denny Savard, David, David Savard. Savard. He got a. It was a. What was it a? Was it a first and a third? Oh boy, I yeah. Because I think what he got is probably going to be similar to I think the. Uh, you know, yeah, the deal and, I mean, that, and you're dealing with the same team too. So yeah, what did he get? Yeah, first and third. You're right. Yep. Yep. The, the Blue Jackets got a first and a third from Tampa, and Tampa also had to give. Uh, the Red Wings, a fourth round pick to, to yeah. get, keep some salary. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I, I agree. I think, um, his salary is at least reasonable enough to where there's a chance that you might oh, not every need team that, could. that extra team to help yeah, two out. million bucks. Yeah. yeah, absolutely not. Every, I think two any million. team, yeah, teams could easily fit him in. Um, you know, and if, if not, they just send like, you know, I mean, they send a roster player back the other way to cut a million bucks off. And uh, boom, there you go. Right then, you can you can squeeze him in. So right. um, there's going to be no shortage of teams that I think are going to be inquiring about him. And yeah, you're probably right. At you know, looking at the Savard deal, um, even I know it's been a few years since then, but I, I do think yeah, you're probably right. It's probably going to take a first round pick uh, to get him. And who did? Oh uh, uh, shoot, who did Florida trade for last year? Um, oh, Claude Giroux. No, they traded for a defenseman too, didn't they? Um. Gosh, Maybe you're I'm talking Ben Chirot. Ben Chirot, yes. Yeah, yeah. What did, what did Ben Chirot get? Oh, or what did they shoot. What did they give up for Ben Chirot? That would be the. That I mean, that would be the other. Uh, let's see. They gave up a fourth and a first. Okay. Yeah. The first so was pro- top ten and a prospect. And a prospect. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say like a first and a third essentially is what they gave up. So I mean, and that's Ben Chirot. <laughs> I yeah, think that Gavrikov's was... a better player. <laughs> Yeah, you might be right. I mean, but if, if anything, right, they were both, I mean, as sought after at the deadline for their defensive capabilities. Now it didn't didn't clearly work out. Um, and I don't think either one of these deals worked out for, for either team during their runs, their respective runs. And I think maybe that might cause a little hesitation. But I think you're right. It's going to cost at least a first, um, you know, well, at, at this Tampa point. Well, didn't Tampa Bay win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, they did, but uh, he, he did jack squat for them, if, if I'm being honest. I don't think you care. <laughs> yeah, at that you point, you really Stanley don't care. Cup, so you're good. Um, but, yes, the, I mean, this de- this trade deadline is going to be a little different because I, I think that teams are starting to be willing to deal with some term because they know that the cap is going to go up. Um, although maybe this whole Bally sports thing throws a loop into that whole conversation uh we we haven't really talked about it much uh, i don't know how much you've read and and heard about the bally sports bankruptcy but that there's a possibility that some payments might be missed uh for the the rights deal and if that happens you know that's hundreds of millions of dollars so if that happens then you know does that affect the cap from going up uh I don't think we're there yet, but I think that it is a conversation. And you know what? NHL owners like the least uncertainty. So I think there is a chance that, you know, after all this, like, hey, we're, we'll start taking on term again because the cap's going up. Maybe there's more hesitancy now because of this. So we'll we'll see about that. But I, I, I think in general, teams have to be thinking the cap's going to start moving so it's okay if we take a player like Vancouver did. It's okay if we take a player who has some term left on his deal. Uh, we're not we're not panicking about that. No, no, I think you're right, and um, you know if, if it's for the right player, right? I mean, obviously, if it's a player that I think a team would be okay with keeping long term, anyways, not necessarily a, a guy that you know they maybe are hoping to just get a a year out of, and then they're going to jettison anyways. Um, that might be a little different, but. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what big name goes next. And, um, you know, I obviously we're probably not going to hear anything over the next few days with the all-star yeah. break, but, um, you know, I do think we're going to probably see some, uh, we're going to see some dominoes fall here pretty soon. I, I would suspect again, like, like I said, I, I think that teams just want to get ahead of it because we're so tight in the, the standings right now. I think teams like, you know, Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago, Arizona, they're going to want to start jettison pieces and, and start tanking for Connor Bedard and, you know, a top three pick, I think. Start? Well, <laughs> I should say, try to separate themselves from those other pieces at the bottom because, gosh, if you know, right now, I mean, you look at it between uh, all the teams at the bottom of their division, really, they're they're all within, you know, outside of Montreal, you know, at the bottom of the um, 
the Atlantic, all of them are sitting pretty dang close within that 33 to 37 point range. So if you've got a lot of teams, you know, at that range, you know, did you expect uh, Columbus to be the worst team in the NHL this year? Gosh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I knew they had issues at the center position, which was why I was surprised Goudreau went there to begin with. But, you know, I figured at least with him coming there, they'd have a little boost in offense, but they just, they can't seem to score. I mean, literally outside of Chicago, they are the worst, or, um, and I'm sorry, uh, and Anaheim, they're the worst scoring team in the NHL, which is just horrendous for a team that, you know, last year, I mean, don't get me wrong, they weren't scoring leaps and bounds, but, you know, they were still producing. They, I mean, gosh, they managed to finish last year with 262 goals, which was, you know, better than all the other teams, you know, below them in the division and Do, in the conference. Yeah, You know, it's, it's really funny. Consider this, uh, that Johnny Goudreau leaves for Columbus and Columbus goes for, I mean, Columbus was, last year was still towards the bottom of the standings, but they, they were respectful. Uh, and, they go down, 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 down. Last place in the league right now. The Calgary Flames, who then went and dealt Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers uh, for Huberdeau and and Mackenzie Weger. Well, the Florida Panthers are out of the playoffs right now and probably not going to make the playoffs the way that they're playing. So that means that Matthew Kachuk now misses the playoffs. And then, you know what, for their troubles, the Calgary Flames, even though they made all those great moves that everybody said they had the best offseason out of any team and like made made something out of nothing, they're sitting <laughs> outside the playoffs right now, too, and might not make it in. So it seems as though all three of those teams that have that tie together for this season, um, none of them have improved, that is for sure. All of them got worse by swapping pieces, which is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I will say the only player out of all of those moves that's really, in my opinion, maybe looked a little bit better, even though his team as a whole isn't better, has been Matthew Kachuk. Oh, Matthew Kachuk, yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. Oh, he's been fantastic. Right, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, that, that goes to show you what, you know, chemistry, uh, you know, spending, you know, I mean, all these other players that spent, you know, years on their respective teams. So, uh, you know, and, and systems that are in place there already – uh, it goes to show you, you know, you put a guy in a new setting. Sometimes it, it takes a little time to get, get things going. And especially for Calgary, who essentially lost an entire top line and, uh, you know, Florida, right. you know, right. loses their, you know, a, gosh, a core piece. I Here's mean, what sucks. I'll tell you what's, you know, who I feel the worst for is Jonathan Huberto because he wanted to stay in Florida, right? Like he was just dealt. He didn't have a choice. Right. Uh, he had a, so, so he's dealt. But then, I, and, and you know, some, some might say, well, you didn't have to sign. Like, it's clear that him and Daryl Sutter maybe don't see eye to eye on the way that hockey should be played or, or is played or the way that he plays. Daryl Sutter doesn't necessarily uh, give Huberto every opportunity to score, uh, which, you know, hey, who knows? Maybe a couple years under Sutter and suddenly he's a world beater. But at least for this year, it looks like mm, there's a little tension there. We'll just say tension. Now, what do you do when the Flames come to you and say, we'll give you $10.5 million for eight years? Uh, that's eight, over $80 million, $84 million. We're going to give you $84 million over the next year, eight years. Now, you could go to your agent and you could say, here's my dilemma. I don't know if I want to play here. I, I have no idea. And he goes, well, you know, Sutter will be gone. Eventually. Sutter's not going to be there eight years. That's fair. That's a good point. But you don't know what kind of year you're going to have this year. So if Huberto hadn't signed that extension with Calgary, yeah, sure, he could have gone. Uh, he could have gone elsewhere, right? Like he could, he'd be a UFA at the end of this year. Maybe we're talking about him getting dealt uh, at the deadline, but he could have gone somewhere else and uh, and and signed a deal. But you know what? Teams would be going, hmm, are we going to get the thirty-three points in forty-seven games, or are we getting the hundred and fifteen points in eighty-game guy? Um, you know, we'll give you nine million. Like, he definitely would have lost money had he not signed that deal. Yeah, so, and he loses that extra year, too. And he loses the extra year. Exactly. So, he ends up, I mean, <laughs> not. it's hard to feel bad. Like, hey, you would have only made $70 million instead of 84 uh, But 
that is a factor. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want to lose $14 million. <laughs> no, and, and as an agent, too, you have to think, right, him getting his 10%, yeah, you're getting, he, that 1.4, he's, he's sitting there thinking, like, yeah, I'm not letting this guy walk away from this deal either. So you got that other voice, and you're just telling you, no, sign the deal, sign the deal. Um, Which, yeah, and I you, mean, he, I don't think he would have gotten $10.5 million had he signed it at the end of this year. Right. No, I, I absolutely agree with you, right? Unless he had gone to a team, um, you know, got traded at the deadline and just, you know, went through the roof as far as production is concerned and, you know, like he was last year. And then you could say, okay, well, clearly it was it was Sutter. It was the system in Calgary that just wasn't working right. for him. If we, you know, put in place the tools he had in Florida or wherever he goes and, you know, we'll get the production out of him. But now on the flip side, you have to think, you know, if if Calgary's paying him $10.5 bucks and he's just not producing – um, you know, especially after signing Kadri, giving Huru all that money, and you think it's just not working, we're getting worse. Uh, how long does Suter have a job left? You know, because eventually, you know, with a guy like, you know, maybe Barry Trotz sitting out there and, you know, again, other coaches, um, you know, who knows? Maybe they might want to make a change this offseason because you want to cash it on your investment as soon as possible because once he gets to, you know, that, that 33, 34 years old, you know, it's, uh, he might not be worth that, that 10 and a half million bucks anymore. That's true. Uh, it's it it has put it puts Calgary in an interesting position. I mean, they they have about four million in uh, in, in deadline space. You would think, uh, especially with like Lucic's contract ending at the end of the year. I mean, they, they've got some some space to be able to add here. Um, not a whole lot of space next year, but could add here at the deadline. Uh, the issue that I have is I'm I'm looking ahead here and I'm going well. Who are you going to jump? Are you going to beat out the Avalanche, or are you going to beat out the Oilers for that final playoff spot? <laughs> like that's kind of what it looks like right now. And, and maybe the Avs uh, kind of come alive here, and they they catch Minnesota. Okay, let's say it's Minnesota uh, that you're that you're chasing instead. I mean, it is not going to be an easy road for Calgary to get into the playoffs. Uh, you look at Colorado seven and three in their last ten. Edmonton seven one and two. Uh, I guess it's Minnesota is the team you're you're looking to hunt down because. They may fall. You've got to expect Colorado probably in these last 30 games is going to show you why they are these defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I agree. And listen, let's let's not count out Nashville either. I think, um, you know, the one big thing, um, you know, yes, they made the big move in the offseason. But, you know, historically, David Poyle has not been a guy, in my opinion, that likes to make the big deadline deal. Right. I mean, he doesn't make a ton of those big name moves. And um, typically, most of his bigger deals are done in the offseason. Um, you look at it when, you know, Victor Arvidsson and, and Ryan Ellis and all these other moves, Ryan McDonough, they're all done in the offseason. And so with 10 million bucks to spend at deadline in deadline space, I think, honestly, um, this is a year where I think Nashville could make a move to, to bring in a big piece, whether it's, you know, maybe, uh, you know, gosh, a, a Vladimir Tarasenko or, you know, who have you. Um, yeah, he's somebody that he's you know him and Ryan O'Reilly, both players that uh, certainly could move. I, I, I had this inkling. The whole organization is completely different now. Would Ryan O'Reilly go back to Colorado? Because could you, like for every other reason other than the fact that like he had a kind of garbage ending to his um, his tenure in Colorado. Uh, what a great fit that would be if he's, you know, if he's a hundred percent and, and playing like the Ryan O'Reilly that we know, how great of an addition would Ryan O'Reilly be to the avalanche team right now? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, I think it would be a great addition, but I guess the question is, you know, uh, at what point is, is St. Louis finally going to admit that they're really, they're really not in it. I mean, yes, they're, they're eight points out, mm, you bye know, bye. at, at this point, but, yeah, but they've lost five in a row. I don't think they're – yeah, like you said, that's just too many. Eight their goal differential. Is, eight points might as well be 50 because you don't right. come back at this point. Yeah, it's like you said with, with Calgary there fighting for a spot. You've got Colorado, Edmonton, in my opinion. Nashville is going to make a nice little push here too. Uh, you know, obviously I think St. Louis is like Vancouver. I think they're they're done at this point. You can stick a fork in them. And so, um, yeah, but it's just whether or not they want to be delusional and hang on to Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko for too long and then – um, you know, maybe plus, they they don't deal them. So. If you're St. Louis right now, you are you're you're kind of at the bottom of the pack in this next tier of bad teams. You're not in the bottom bottom, right? Like 
Montreal four is five points back of them. Vancouver six points. San Jose eight points. So right now, where St. Louis sits, they're eighth last in the NHL. If they if they have any better of a season, they're going to jump Ottawa, Detroit, maybe Philadelphia, and then you're kind of into that like no man's land where you can no longer get the top pick with the lottery, uh, but you you know it's just there's no point in going down that road at this point. You you have your first round pick, and that first round pick. You have a chance to draw a little token out of a barrel and get Connor Mc, Connor Bedard. That is where you should be pushing to. Just do what you need to do to give yourself that chance. And if you don't get Bedard, there's some other very nice options at two and three in this draft that will change your organization's futures and yeah. probably make it so that you can be competitive again next year. You can re-sign Ryan O'Reilly if you want to. You, you know, you can. I don't know what the rules are for telling a guy like, hey, we really like you. If you were a free agent again, we would sign you, but we're going to trade you today. <laughs> like, I don't know what those kind of rules are, uh, but certainly you can trade a guy and then re-sign him in the offseason. Uh, so, yeah, that's I, I'd be trying to get, get what I can for Ryan O'Reilly and get what I can for Tarasenko because I think Tarasenko is definitely gone after this year. So you're you're doing what you can to, to offload him. He's a goal scorer and probably the best one out of this mix of players that you're going to get at the deadline. Uh, so he's going to be valuable. He's going to fetch you something pretty big. So I think that the, the Blues should be tearing it not tearing it all down because you're not getting rid of Shen or Kairou Thomas. You've got nice pieces. You just need a little bit of a reset. And I think that by getting rid of O'Reilly and Tarasenko, you change your locker room and you kind of give yourself that full refresh that you almost tried to do this year and last by, Oh, we'll let Thomas and Kairou come on the team. And you kind of say, all right, boys, this is your team now. So I, I think that's I think that's what they need, and I think that they could still be competitive in the Western Conference and and be a playoff team and kind of rebuild on the fly because they really do have some nice young players. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, they they really could. Obviously, I think they need to maybe find a backup to play with uh, Bennington. No, they just and, need to uh, find a whole new goalie. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to get rid of him. Maybe you buy him out. I don't know. Um, Honestly, like, not opposed. Yeah, I mean, with, with the cap space, with the cap space going up, maybe you can look at that and say, you know what, we can afford now to buy him out, right? Uh, we can take that extra that that cap hit. And so, I think I think you're at least willing to to say, well, okay, we're we're actually pretty bad anyways. So, how much of a difference is he making to us being bad, and are we just bad? Um, I'd be willing to go. Well, we're going to bring him back another year because uh, remember when you buy out a guy, I mean that's that's like double the amount of years that his contract counts against you. And well, well, here's the thing, Bennington, right? If they buy him out this off season, because the, the first, first date you can buy a guy out is June 15th. So if they buy him out next year, uh, they have a six, uh, $666,000 cap it for this year, next year, then the third year, 1.6 year after that, 3.6, 2.1 for the next four years after. So those are reasonable cap hits with the cap going up that you can afford mm-hmm. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think if you can, but if you can extend that an extra year, and and get rid of one of those one of those years on the books, so then you're only buying out three years of six million. I think sure. that's maybe a little more palatable, especially if you go if you're depending on how good you think you're going to be, and if it matters that you have Jordan Bennington on your books. I guess that would be the other question. Um, we'll do a St. Louis deep dive <laughs> at some point. I'm sure in the offseason. God, we're already talking about the offseason for the Blues. Um, sorry, Blues fans. We're crazy. You know, it, for some reason, it feels like we're almost at the playoffs, but we've got a, we've got a ways to go here. Uh, out of any team that's not in the playoffs, which one do you think is going to make the playoffs? Not in the playoffs. It's going to make the playoffs. Um, if I had to, I had to pick a team, I would probably say, Oh man, that's that's a very very good question. I mean, I'm going to say the Buffalo Sabers. I'm going to say Buffalo. Yeah, um, you know, granted, I, I Tage Thompson 
Thompson is hurt right now a little out, but it's only supposed to be day-to-day. So um, assuming he comes back and maybe they decide, you know what, we're going to reward this team. They played so good this season. We're going to you know, go out and make a little acquisition. Maybe they make a little noise bringing somebody uh, who can play in that, that middle six or somebody on that back end for them. Um, you know what, I think this, this team could be, you know, a little dangerous, a little dangerous. I mean, they're, they're sitting there one point behind Pittsburgh, and if Pittsburgh or Washington, you know, tend to drop out. I mean, they've, you know, both of those teams have only won four in their last 10. So if they can't, can't piece it together here down the stretch, Buffalo could easily hop one of them. Which team is most likely to miss the playoffs that's sitting in a playoff spot right now? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, I'm going to say the, the Edmonton Oilers, to be quite honest. Edmonton Oilers. Okay. That is a, at seven, one, and two in their last ten, they're they're coming alive with Evander Kane back too. They are, they are. I, I will say, but for me, if you're not getting good goaltending, um, you know, which don't get me wrong, Stuart Skinner's played pretty good this year, but Campbell's obviously the guy, and if if he can't get it together, I don't I don't know yet enough about Skinner. There hasn't been enough of a sample size there for me to trust him down the stretch here, going into the playoffs when games get a little tighter. Um, and, you know, they need another piece on that back end. If they can go address that, maybe bring in a, a reliable third stringer, go and bring in a top four guy on the back end, maybe then at that point, you know, I can say, okay, you know what, I think this this team's going to be okay. Um, because, listen, uh, Connor McDavid is just running away with every um, – <laughs> I mean, no one's even close as far as production is concerned. And Leon Dreisaitl is still there. And so, like you said, with, uh, you know, Evander Kaneback, they've got the offensibility to do that. If they can just shut down the goals a little bit more – um, then I, w- I would feel comfortable. But uh, are you making a case why they will make the playoffs right now? Because well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making the case on why they sh- they need to go make some moves to get in to stay in the playoffs. Cause- so I'll just say this: I think that Brendan Shanahan should re-sign Kyle Dubas today uh, to a new deal as the general manager of the Leafs because he didn't sign Jack Campbell. I mean, he okay. just saved the Leafs so much grief <laughs> by doing that. Uh, it was, yeah, that's just, I mean, it's just one of those, like, usually you don't get a lot of a lot of people saying, hey, you know what was a really good move when you didn't give that guy a huge contract? <laughs> and and this is one of those cases where it sure looks like that was the, uh, the right move. I'm going to say that the team most likely to miss the playoffs that is in the playoffs right now, I'm looking at the... Mm, uh, I'm having a hard time. I know you're looking east. You know, I'm between Washington and Minnesota. Those Minnesota, are the two okay. Teams that I'm, I'm kind of between. I, I think that Minnesota will drop into the wild card spots here. I'm, I'm worried because if they do deal Matt Dumba, I'm worried what that defense looks like, and I don't know that they have the staying power. Um, Calgary could very easily make this not even a contest. Um, and then you, you mentioned Nashville, like Nashville's moving. I, I think that uh, Minnesota just might not have the horses. And uh, that would be for the, me. I, I think the problem with Minnesota is they just don't score enough up front. Right. Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. They don't have the horses yeah. to, to do it. Even and, if you, if you get rid of Matt Dumba, maybe you go out and you, you bring in a score, right? Maybe you can go out and get uh, a Tarasenko or, or somebody, a big name player because you move out Dumba's contract, right? Going the other way. Um, maybe that works out, but yeah, because they don't have an ideal number one center, um, which I thought Bull Horvat would have fit in really nice there. Um, a guy who could score goals that this team desperately needs and a number one. So I don't know. You, you might be, you might be onto something with Minnesota here. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, only time will tell. We're about to hit this, uh, the all-star break and kind of get that reset. It is a nice little reset to the season. And then it's kind of like, okay, this is go time. This tends to be when the games start to get, a little more intense uh, play, you know, leading up to that trade deadline. That's an, that's another uh, mark on the schedule there, but post all-star game tends to be when games tighten up a little bit. Uh, defense is, is just a little more focused uh, and you've got these teams going, shoot, we only have 30 games left. Uh, we need, and we need to win 20 of them at least to make the playoffs. Like you've got some teams that are uh, squeezing their sticks down the stretch. So uh, it's always fun after the all-star game kind of starts to move, starts to shift a little closer to playoff hockey as, as we go along. So 
Um, will you watch the All-Star game? There's a question for you. That's our last question of the show. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to probably say no. Um, not because I don't want to, but uh, just because I've got a, a tight window to uh, to get my house finished up. Mm. And um, I'm not very excited about the dunk tank or, or some of those other things going no. on. Um, I, I will say the best part about the All-Star game to me is the jerseys. Um, but the uh, throwbacks? Yeah, the little yeah. throwbacks there. I, I am enjoying those, but... Yeah, there's just, I mean, because guys like, you know, you're not going to see Austin Matthews, you're not going to see, um, you know, some of our, our, our better players in the All-Star game. You're, there's a lot of names that have already been, uh, you know, dropping out. I, I just, you know, I'm not too excited about it. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm yeah good. I don't know. I'm good. Won't waste my time. I right. take it as a, oh, okay, I can, um, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I've got something a little bit more important. I uh, might throw it on. I might throw in the skills competition, just okay. because Esme might think it's funny. That's my daughter. She might think it's funny. She's like two and a half, so she might she might be into it a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try, but that would be the only reason. Which it's funny. You won't watch it because you're like this dunk tank thing is stupid. I might watch it because it's so stupid. My two year old might like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. So. Yes, and uh, this is the kind of conversation that uh, that gets Gary Bettman on your show. So that's why we're having it. Come on on, Gary. We met one time in New York City. I ran into him on a, walking out of Grand Central Station, and I said, Mr. Commissioner? Mr. Commissioner. <laughs> that's what I, I love called it. him. I love it. It's like, Mr. Commissioner? And he turned around and he said, hi. I said, can I get a picture with you? He said, yeah, sure. All right, cool. <laughs> Took a little sel- selfie with Gary back in, oh gosh, that would have been like 2013, probably 2012, something like that. Okay. It was a while back. I love it. Yep, same. Well, all right, that is our show. You can find us on Twitter, at OT Hockey Talk. Uh, Justin, any final words? Um, pizza. I want pizza right now. Oh, yes. Those are my final Pizza's, words. Actually, I'm going to have orange chicken from Trader Joe's. Ooh. If you've never had oh, it before, my God, uh, it's, I've been craving it all day, and that's what I'm going to eat. So I'm going to enjoy my orange chicken. You enjoy your pizza. To our listeners, enjoy whatever it is that you're going to eat, except for the vegetables that are on your plate. Just throw this away, and we will talk to you guys soon. <laughs>